Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Christmas time, we've well rested and we just saw we just kick things off with the great man sitting in front of me. A big thank you to all of our supporters, our sponsors, Whippersnapper Whiskey, Margaret Roasting Co, Blue Bet, Shelter Brewing Co, Leadable Cameras, Backchat Podcast. You can find it all over at our website, backchatpodcast.com.au. The big bison sits in front the of bice. us. The bison. Gentlemen. Ha- Hello, Mitch. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks How are you, mate? Me. I'm very well, thank you. Very uh, well. The bison, where, where does that come from? Where does that start from? Um, yeah, it's actually a, it's a good little story. Um, Actually, what? stop. Okay. Yeah, you, you, I can't do it. We just talked about. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. The first question we always ask. <laughs> we'll get back to the bison. Okay, our guess every time. It's mm-hmm. the same question every time. I'm sure you're a big fan of the Backchat Podcast, so I know you'll know <laughs> what this is. We want to know your greatest sporting achievement. Now, you've been involved in Ashes series. You've won World Cups. You've captained your country in various forms. Yep. You've done a lot on the cricket field. You've been a great servant of Australia cricket, mm. but we don't care. No. Right? Just here to start with, we don't care. We do. We don't. I want to know your greatest sporting achievement not on the cricket field. And I'm looking at your face and I feel like you've got something loaded up for me. I'm a backchat fan, mate. I'm a backchat fan. <laughs> He's got three. Your um, greatest sporting moment not on the cricket not field. Not on the pitch. Yep. So um, I'll take you back to year five, Leeming Primary. Leeming. Right. Uh, athletics day, 200 metres. Wow. Uh, I was in lane one. And uh, there was a young kid. I actually forget his name. I think his name was Jaron. Um, we hate Jaron. Yeah. And anyway, you. so I've um, I've taken out 200 meters, and he was hot favorite, hot favorite. <laughs> and on the day, he was um, a bit crook, apparently. So, um, <laughs> so I've taken it out up on the uh, pedestal. Think I'm going all right. Um, trying to get champion boy. And uh, ended up getting champion boy. Congratulations. Which Very is a uh, hu- huge achievement. Um, mm-hmm. My Such athletic capabilities probably ended on that day. Um, <laughs> not the most athletic bloke. But the story behind it is there was a protest on the day. From who? Uh, his parents. No. Mrs. And Jared. so we had to rerun the race on the Monday. Year five. Year five. What? 
uh, when he was feeling better. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. And uh, we were about 50 metres out uh, from the finishing line and uh, he's just straight past me. <laughs> and I didn't even finish the race. <laughs> I stopped, walked, started crying. Straight into class. That was it. Well, so did you, did you retain I've champion so, boy? Did yeah, you have enough so points? Questions. Well, I still retain champion boy, but yeah, the fact that I lost the 200 metres to a protest in year five as a 10-year-old, <laughs> uh, it was pretty hard to take. And uh, <laughs> safe to say I never quite got over it. So, <laughs> did, did they one-on-one, yeah, or did they have all the kids run? Or was it just – It was one-on-one. Everyone no. Else, <laughs> no. Everyone else was, was in class. Watch. Everyone else was in class. <laughs> I had to come out of my math class – and run another 200 metres. So, I, I wish you would have just done the, the Seinfeld of like, I choose not to run. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, so for for one day, it was my greatest sporting <laughs> achievement uh, outside of, as you mentioned, a few of the things that I've been able to achieve, but um, it didn't last long. I don't want to go on too much about Jared, but also like why didn't they rerun the 100? And all the other – like, was why was it just the 200 that they wanted him to yeah, win? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's brutal. He's pretending he doesn't know the name of Jaron, but he clearly <laughs> does know exactly I'll who find, I'll find you. Uh, mate, that's, that's one of the better starts we've had to that chat. Um, yeah, as you can see, we are wearing the um, the merchandise, the, yes. fan, the fan merchandise. Yeah, good. Love it. Did, was that a – was that an actual cricket shot or did you sit in a studio holding your bat in the air like that looking off into the distance? <laughs> <laughs> that one is actually a cricket shot. Um, it's very nice. Yeah, it was uh, Dan from Street X did very well and uh, – Just everything is photoshopped few, so off it. There's no, there's much no logos or anything. No, just I'm actually the, looking pretty fit there so I'm not actually sure that's my rig. What, what shot do you reckon that was, a four, six? That's a pull shot. Uh I'd say from where I'm looking, hopefully a six, yeah. yeah good. I'm surprised you haven't we'll picked up this uh, cricket ball on the desk here. Um, <laughs> Looks like an old red king. Well, what yeah, is it's it? A cook- it was a kookaburra. Um, it was from my under-12s. Uh, look, I didn't bring it up. Under-12s grand final, five for 16. Uh, what, wow. Five for 16? I don't know. I can't remember. It's five man. for 12 or five for – no, it's five for 16. Hey. Um, grand final and we lost. Um, so, But that's the ball from it. My coach made a trophy out of it because he thought – um, you've done that well. I've got a, you know, Chewett Hill Cricket Club. You would, you would know yeah. Chewett Hill Cricket Club, Lions. Yes, yes, yeah. I do. What yep. was your local club? Uh, Williton, when I grew up, and Williton. then uh, moved to Fremantle, which I've been there since I was about fourteen. So, so growing up uh, in the Marsh ha- household, um, you come from cricketing um, heritage, <laughs> heritage with the old man Swampy um, and brother Sean. Yep. Um, is it true you? It might be the third best sports person in the family, though, with Melissa's basketball. Yeah, it's often uh, brought up in conversation that um, I'm the worst out of the family, Uh, (laughs) you know, which you learn to accept over the journey. But um, Melissa, my sister, obviously, she always talks about how she's the forgotten one. Um, 250 games for the WNBL, for the Perth Lynx. Captain of the Lynx. Captain of the Lynx. um, An incredible career and... I guess a bit of a pioneer for that generation in terms of, you know, they were unpaid, um, well, very poorly paid as as female athletes. So um, to see where female sports getting now, it's um, something that she can be very proud of and she had an amazing career. Was it a competitive household, I assume? Uh, Yeah, it was. um, But in the same sentence, it also wasn't because Sean and I had a big age gap, eight years. So... A lot of the backyard battles we had were me bowling until Sean had enough. 
and then we'd walk inside. <laughs> and then I'd complain to mum and dad and have a cry and Sean would come out and bowl to me for literally like three minutes. <laughs> and that was it. So I've actually got him to thank for me being an all-rounder because yes. I did a heap of bowling growing yes. up. But, yeah. um, he was a prick. And then when you got, and when you got, when you got, was that you said was? That's not what it is. I mean, that's why you're such just a big hitter. You had to come in in a short period of time and just kind of whack over the fence. A couple of power plays, a couple of six and outs. Um, does I mean, your dad plays cricket for Australia, and and then you two end up playing cricket for Australia. I'm um, sometimes, you know, when when a when a family member plays sport and then the kids do, like, is it just a part of your life? Like, is that how it? Happens? Do, do you want? Do you grow up wanting to play cricket for Australia? Yeah, I think I'm extremely grateful for the childhood uh, we were able to have. Um, Sean was obviously around when Dad was still playing, um, and grew up in the Australian dressing room. And then when I sort of got old enough, Dad was coaching Australia and Zimbabwe um, as well. So I grew up around international cricket change rooms with my heroes growing up. Um, a few great stories about. You know, the Steve War and Shane Warne and all those guys, it's, that generation was just incredible. So cricket was always a part of our life. Um, as a young kid, I was like any other kid. I played cricket in the summer, footy in the winter, um, and I absolutely loved that. And it wasn't really until – and I just – like our family, I feel like it's a very normal family and I never saw Dad as an Australian cricketer or as the Australian coach. He was just Dad and hmm. – um, <laughs> Very grateful for to be brought up in a family like that. So um, that was incredible. And then really it wasn't until I was sort of 14 or 15 where I started to really – teachers used to ask me, what am I going to do after school? And I said, I'm going to play cricket. <laughs> really? So, um, yeah, it, it really just sort of happened naturally, really naturally, and um, I've been very lucky. Now, talking about families, we have a family member of Mitch Marshall's on this podcast before. Yeah, we have. Yes. And, and I think you might be aware yeah, of this. Yeah, we, yep. Bradley Shepherd, yep. West Coast Shepard. Eagle. Former f- teammate of mine, great mate of mine. Um, when he was on here, and honestly, like when I, when he was on here, it was just to get it on the record. But I'd heard it a lot of times from him. He used to speak about as a young kid, he would have it well over you as a cricketer, and if he wanted to, he could have gone down the cricket route. <laughs> Do you one? Um, uh, who's the better cricketer? Two. I don't know the answer to that. Two. <laughs> two. Flip it over. You were a footy player growing up, right? You representing yes. your state yep. as a footy player. Like my footy. Could you have just applied your trade in the AFL if you wanted to, like Brad seems to roll around saying about cricket? Yeah, look, Brad, um, <laughs> I dare say, probably has a little bit more confidence in himself than what I do. Okay. Um, and he's more happy to be on record saying that he could have been a test cricketer. <laughs> um <laughs> And he was an extremely talented cricketer, I must say. Um, and I definitely think he could have played professional cricket um, as a bowler. Um, but for him to sit here and say <laughs> that, it just sums him up beautifully <laughs> because he literally quit when he was like 15. So, <laughs> so like, give it up, Shep, you know. Um, but, yeah, he, well, we had a lot, of, a lot of fun growing up together. Where did you play as a footy player? Uh, I was uh, an old school full forward. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have lasted um, in today's modern football society. So you're, I'm just imagining one on one, bit of a wrestle up in, the, in the square, bit of a bit of a tiny locket top <laughs> operator, just a palm back point kick. <laughs> yes. Give it to me, clear and if it, it wasn't out. close enough, I was a mouth guard fella. <laughs> just. <laughs> You were straight it to line, me, boys. big turning up, big Titanic doing a big arc <laughs> yeah. over the top of the 50. Pretty much, yeah. Set up the zone, 
I when, do not handball. When you were um, playing cricket as a youngster, were you like opening the batting and the bowling? Because I remember playing this one guy, his name's Brett, and he was just, he did that. And when they had a really good cricketer, you're just always so jealous because, you know, straight in, straight out, batting, bowling. Yeah, I um, used to bat sort of number three or four. Um, and then, yeah, either open the bowling or bowl first change. My my mum was always big on me not being that guy. Right. Um, in our teams and making sure I was sharing with people and um, probably more so just enjoying being a part of a team because you know what it's like as a kid, you want to do everything. Um, you want to bat first, you want to bowl first, you want to field in the best position but she taught me a lot about being a part of a team from a really young age and it's held me in good stead for my whole career really. So, um, But yeah, I pretty much did. <laughs> That's pretty interesting <laughs> that mum, mum, mum's the, you know, the lesson teacher in terms of playing in team, given your old man did it for a living. Yeah. Mm. Dad was away a lot coaching. Um, so yeah. mum spent like literally an amazing amount of time just taking us to cricket and, and everywhere really. So Good deck chair. Yeah, she had a good deck chair. She, was, <laughs> she used to love it. Uh, I remember one, one game I got a uh, run out for a diamond duck. Uh, and for those that don't understand cricket, it's when you get run out without facing a ball. And I came off, threw my bat, threw my helmet and mum raced over, grabbed me by the ear and gave me a good hosing about <laughs> not blowing up. Really? Um, that one didn't quite stick with me though because I, pun- <laughs> I punched a wall a few years ago. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, you're sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that but uh, <laughs> she Di- taught me a lot. Diamond Duck, I don't, I'm sure I have told it on this pod, I speak too much on this pod. I've got a Diamond Duck. It's my cricketing memory was um, we got a ball machine down at training, Geelong College. Um year seven, year eight, and they used to put the ball machine at the end and just put it in the same spot. Um, so it was the first time we used that and it just kept hitting perfect length. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me about 12 shots to hit the ball. But then once my brain could see where it got, got I just, your it was just rhythm, bang, bang. <laughs> and I started just looking like a million bucks. So the coach, I was a bowler, right, and he goes, I reckon you can open the batting. You're great technique, very solid, nice and straight. You can open the batting. So my first game of opening the batting – I was petrified and I thought, I don't want to face the first ball. I'll just, just get the nerves down and stand at the other end. Anyway, it's up Melbourne Grammar, Tom Hawkins' is old school, Xavier Ellis, and I got clipped down to fine leg. Never opened the batting before in my life. Like, not not a massive cricketer. Yes, yes. I mean, it's fine leg. He's, yeah, it's a single leg. <laughs> I got run out going for a single to fine no. leg, direct hit. No, no, kept, no. I just kept – I didn't even dive. I just kept running off the ground <laughs> and I sat and watched the boys bat and I never opened the batting again. Oh, <laughs> That's my no. cricket story. Ouch. Um, Ouch. We talked about Brad Shepard before. So you talk about the age difference between you, you and Sean. Uh, you and Shep are quite close in age, aren't you? Yes, five months. So mm. growing up, not that you were living together, but you spent a lot of time together – uh, you know, you, you've got a close relationship. Like if if someone's listening to this and not watching it, I, I dare say that you could think that this is Brad Shepard speaking. You <laughs> sound the same. You do. Yeah. Do people say that? Yeah, there's, there's a very funny story actually. Um, Shep got stitched up on radio, uh, on live radio, where I, I don't know the station. Um, Brad will be able to tell you. Yeah. They had him on and said and, – and basically got him on and said um, – yeah, we want to go back to a, an interview you did a few years ago. Um, can you let us know what you were thinking when you said all of this? <laughs> and they played me doing an interview. And, and Shep, Shep would have been sitting there going, oh, I wonder I what I was thinking there. He basically said, I can't remember saying this. <laughs> and then in his head. But then he said, 
he basically admitted to it being him and it was me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Classic stitch We up. need to track that. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> good, that's good. You sound the same. Is it, I mean, that's not coincidence. You spent a lot of time together growing up, right? Yeah, we literally um, went to school together. We'd stay at each other's house every weekend, footy, cricket, um, spent our whole childhood together. So um, very lucky. Mm. Um, you make the choice for cricket. Put footy to the side, yep. hang up the boots, literal. Um, <laughs> but you make inroads pretty quickly in the cricketing world. You're the youngest ever debutante domestic level, I think. 19 years old, 2009. It's a long time ago. That made you feel old. Yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. <laughs> What's it like um, playing with the with the big boys on you know highest to, you know, national level as a youngster? Uh, yeah, I look back now, and I'm. It was. Um, I was so far out of my depth, just more so as a young kid. Um, you're still trying to figure yourself out at that age, and I didn't even know about figuring myself out. I was just this young, <laughs> wide-eyed kid. Um, debuted for Australia um, in T20s at 18 um, at a ground called the Bullring in Joburg, and it's the most hostile crowd in world cricket, one yeah. of the most hostile crowds. Um, and I actually did okay, but it was just an incredible experience um, playing with some of the guys I played with debuted um, in a one-day game, Ricky Ponting. Um, I remember my first ever right. wicket. I got Hashim Amla caught behind Brad Haddon and I just ran straight to punter at point, gave him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care about anyone else. I didn't care that I got a wicket just straight to punter. I just gave him a hug. But just trying to set up the field for the next ball. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Um, but, yeah, to, to get an opportunity to play for Australia at such a young age is something now that I'm extremely grateful for and, I mean, the journey I've been on, it's been up and down over the, at times, but um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Do you do you, do you debut in the IPL in 2010? Is that right? Uh, like, yes. I'll, yeah, basically that same year after that, yeah. So, you, year. like, you're, you're sort of debuting, and that's, like, pretty – like, I don't know when the IPL start. Like, when did the IPL start? Like, uh, 2008, I reckon, or yeah, 2007, that, yeah. maybe 2006 even. So, so was that, did you have the um, – was that the, the um, auction set up at that time? Uh, yes, uh, first year, I am getting old because I can't even remember, <laughs> but I got bought by, um, De- De- Deccan Chargers, yeah. yeah, Deccan Chargers, yes. yeah, Darren Lehman was coach, so, um, that was like, that was unbelievable. It, I, in the team we had, uh, Herschel Gibbs, Gilly, Andrew Simons, Ryan Harris, Rohit Sharma, um, a few other, um, but like those five were just like yeah. Rowett was very young then, so he, he was just coming on the scene. But the year before, Deccan had won it. Um, so it was just a like just walking into that change room, sitting next to literally heroes of mine as an 18 year old kid. And then I played a few games as well. They got me straight in, and um, it was an unbelievable well, experience. Is that, um, I know it's different over there, the crowds, but is it surreal? Like, does it, like, it's, they're what, you know, Indian cricket fans are just, Ravaging, they just love their cricket. Yeah, it's more it's than something, Australia. Something that you, I struggle to explain, and I always try and get people to just. If you're ever going to watch cricket, um, probably an Ashes in England is right up there. But having a week in India and watching three or four IPL games at a few different stadiums is just. There's nothing that will ever match it. The they're so loud. It's just incredible. For three and a half hours, they just yell and scream, and um, yeah, it's quite amazing. 
because you sit on the boundary right now. Like yep. you're you're pretty much sitting in the crowd. This yep. is the front row of the crowd. Yeah, yep, pretty much. <laughs> I had a, the first game last year. Um, I had come off just a little injury from Pakistan, so I missed the first game uh, playing for Delhi, and uh, it was a bit of a big build up to my first game. Coming off the injury, um, I was batting at three, which is, you know, T20 team. It's a really important team uh, spot to, to bat at. And uh, I came in uh, feeling pretty good and I had – I think I made 12 off about 28 balls. <laughs> like no, I, I'm not sure why I'm laughing. I, I, <laughs> it's laughable. It's laughable. <laughs> and I shanked them. I, I could not hit them off the square. And the IPL is the, the sort of tournament where you want to do well. Obviously, you want to win it, and but it's just such an incredible tournament to be a part of. So there's different pressures that come with playing in the IPL. And so first game, back in a few years, I've sort of said no to the IPL for quite a while to always focus on playing for Australia and making sure I'm right there and um, playing test cricket and all that sort of stuff. But um, you got a wedding coming up, so got you're, a back, wedding you're, back, up. you're back into it. You're back into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 12 of 28, I got run out of the bowler's hand and uh, – I walked off and walked past Punner, who's coach now, and I said, thank Christ for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember I felt – I sat on the bench and I just felt so small. I was like, oh, my God, what's, like, that's embarrassing. What's the um, what's the process there? If you are 12 and 28, you just like, i got to get out or hit them? Like, because you can't just keep staying in, in T20. No. Um, after about the 12th ball, um, you're trying to appear calm and it is <laughs> – Panic stations. <laughs> uh, feel like, yeah, I felt like I was batting with a donut. It was just, uh, I could not hit it, and uh, I was glad to walk off. Uh, <laughs> the IPL, I kind of, you know, I understand and I, and I watch along, but it also seems like, you know, such a different system. Do, can you explain, like, so the, so the auction that happens, and you get bought for, let's just say, a million bucks, right? Is that your contract? Like, like um, you see in the, in footy world, someone signs a contract and they sign a deal and gets announced they're on you know a million bucks over three years. Is that the same thing, or does some money go to marketing? You know that is that your pay? Yep. So whatever you get bought for um, in the auction is basically what you will get paid. But you have to basically be over there and you have to play to get paid your full amount of con- contract i've never really understood it to be honest it's really it's quite technical yeah (laughs) um i'm just grateful to be there yeah correct (laughs) Uh, but there's basically um you have to play a certain amount of games to get your full contract um certain franchises do it all differently so and and so is there you know big involvement from owners of the teams like either companies or you know private ownership or however it works like are you getting drafted to whoever you play for and and then meet the owners and that's who you're representing or? Yeah, big it- time. They're extremely um, – Delhi have got some great owners um, and they're, they're quite involved um, more so in – they just care so much. You know, they spend uh, obviously a lot of money to buy these teams and it's becoming such a big tournament now that um, they're there to win and it's not just a, a big party like it may have been, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so they're involved. We have conversations. They speak to us before the auction about certain guys to get and um, Delhi's probably I've been a part of a few franchises now but Delhi's been by far my favourite in terms of um, it's quite relaxed um, Ricky Ponting's obviously our coach and does a fantastic job but it feels like a real family um, our owners are, appear to be really humble people that just want guys to do well and, and obviously win hmm. um, and for me personally with, with sort of the person I am when I feel like that like a part of a family it's when I 
sort of thrive and play my best and, and have the most fun. So it's been really incredible. But some of the other franchises are pretty hectic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> do, do the owners come into the rooms and, and you know give you a little pump up before games and stuff? Um. Or are they, or or do they like keep their distance? Because in some some sports, the owners like to you know feel like they're a part of the team. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have conversations. Sometimes they'll come into meetings. Um, if you're losing, you get a bit of a spray, a bit of a clip, which is uh, <laughs> it's always fun. But um, yeah, we as I said, we've been very lucky, and the last couple of years, COVID sort of changed that. So it's really just been the playing group and the coaching staff. But um, no doubt they'll have more of an involvement over the next few years. Um, so talking about IPL, but what about playing for Australia? So you, know, you remember the first time you played for Australia in any form? Yep. Um, as I spoke about before, the bull ring um, for a T20, uh, we lost, unfortunately. Um, but uh, got a couple over the boundary, which was a, a nice feeling. Um, Did you spank him? Didn't you? Didn't you uh, got, a, got a couple away, Four yeah. sixes <laughs> and two fours and... Hit, Five hit, of those were off the last over? Yeah, hit Mornay from one of the biggest sixes of all time. So <laughs> if he's a fan of back chat, uh, get him Mornay. Would love to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would love <laughs> yeah, Mornay. Sure. Mornay um, Morkel on. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you feel like um, – is that like ticking a box? I, I don't know. Like um, it's difficult from a domestic sport like AFL to mm-hmm. understand what you guys – given you've got so many different competitions and then different sides of the game – yeah, well, how does that work with you? Do, do you have priorities as a cricketer? Oh, I want to play test cricket is number one for Australia. Is that is that what it is? And Yeah, that's. I think for anyone sort of aspiring to play for Australia, that's always going to be the number one. Um, I look back on my debut in the white ball formats, T20s and one days, that was basically straight after each other. And I had literally just come on the scene. So I had goals really as an 18-year-old kid. I didn't really have like a lot of goals. I just was playing cricket and loving it. Mm. Um so that all happened really quick for me. So it wasn't as if I'd, I felt like I'd reached a sort of the pinnacle or achieved these goals. I was just like, holy shit, like I'm wearing green and gold. I'm playing in front of 30,000 people in Johannesburg. <laughs> Where am I? Like what am I doing? Um, it wasn't really until I probably debuted for Australia and, um, in Dubai, my first test match um, in t- – well, I was 23 at that stage. 2014. 2014, Pakistan. yeah. Pakistan in Dubai. Yep, there was about – 35 people in the crowd <laughs> and 30, the Mitch. 30 of those were marshes. <laughs> that was an experience. But um, that was a real um, – that was an amazing experience to – you know, since I was 15, I'd wanted to um, have a baggy green like my dad and my brother at that stage um, and to be able to join them in that. There was a lot more to it than just playing cricket for Australia. Dad presented me with my cap um, – that was very emotional. He spoke about in his cap presentation about how um, growing up his bag of green was on the wall and that he wanted my bag of green to sit right next to his on the wall for the rest of our lives and now, you, now you're basically doing it. So that was like, you know, you see a few of the guys just putting their glasses on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's good. Um, so that, like so many emotions go with receiving a bag of green cap. Um, we obviously, everyone in Australia knows what that is. People that don't even follow cricket know the baggy green. So um, at that point in time to say that I, I had one and I was a part of the, the brotherhood, you could say, um, was a really special moment for my career. Where do you keep it when you're the, the baggy green, when you're not playing? You're not, you're not yep. playing every day of the year. Where does it – you don't have to give the like, exact location. Do <laughs> it's uh, in the top right-hand drawer, uh, my socks and jocks. Really? And does it sit on top of the socks and jocks or is it – No, it's just under, so- yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't – obviously can't. 
rotation. Yeah, and originally I put it in there as a bit of a motivational thing once I was out of the team so that I would see my bag of green every day just to remind me of why I'm doing this. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, but then Cameron Green came along and now that's just <laughs> so, <laughs> so it still sits in there um, collecting dust at the moment. But uh, Is that the original one? The original bag of green. Have you have you had more than one from you know, we've heard people sort of they've been so tattered or they've lost yep. them and they've had to get them replaced. No, nah, mine's original. The OG. Yep. Um I should have brought it in. Should have told me. Yeah. Try it up here. I've got, got, got my equivalent Your here. Baggy green. My, my, my butter Terry Tally. Yeah, um love it. Uh, well, that's kind of an interesting point about Cam Green, but probably a more positive thing. I mean, like all rounders in this country, it's pretty st- strong stocks, mm-hmm. um, which hasn't always been the case. Like when you're sort of you know fighting for your spot in the team, you know, all Australian uh, all rounders seem like a, it's a bloody hard spot to hold down. Like you got to be, you know, these opening batters they just got to know how to bat, uh, know how to bowl. <laughs> yeah. I assume it's it, it's a different discipline, right, to be an all-rounder compared to being a bowler or a batter. Yeah, big time. And the reason they're so sought after is because they're just so vital to the makeup of your team. Um, if you have three bowl, three quick bowlers, it allows you to always play a spinner if you've got an all-rounder. So in any conditions, like we can play Nathan Lyon and when it's spinning, he's amazing. Yes. Even when it's not spinning, he's amazing. But he's always like a holder. And it allows um, the, the quicks to not necessarily bowl big long spells. And then you've got a luxury like someone like Cameron Green who comes in and bowls 140 k's an hour. So mm. um, he's learning the, the capers of international cricket being all rounder is really, really hard um, physically and mentally. So um, I think, you know, the next 12 months will be his biggest challenge. Um, but I mean, we've seen him being challenged already and he just takes everything in his stride. He's a great learner and he's probably Australia's biggest asset when it comes to batting, bowling and everything. So um, it's going to have a big career. Do, do you think sometimes that it makes it more difficult, not just for the public but for for coaches or players to actually judge how you play? Because I assume bowlers, we just look at their figures and if they've gone well, they've gone well. Batters, made runs, gone well. Yep. All-rounder, you might, you might make, I don't know, whatever it is, bowl kind of well but you don't do either exceptional so do you think sometimes that it makes it hard to judge how a player plays yeah I think we've seen that this summer uh, with Greeny in a sense that all the batters made a heap of runs so he actually wasn't really required as a batsman and we also bowled really well so um, it's kind of a sign of how well the side's going if your all-rounder's not actually doing a lot um, and I, I think it's difficult when you've got someone like Cameron Green who could probably bat four in the test team and could also open the bowling so there's all this expectation that we want him to average 50 and average 25 with the ball and be taking fifers here and there. But we've just seen enough. We've seen a glimpse, um, him being around the team and not really being needed that, um, just yet, but also learning along the way and just developing. It's going to be more important than any stats that he's got to his name now and in the next few years we'll really see him you, just blow up. You've been you've been that, that young kid, um, you know, Trying to do everything well. Like what's what's the sort of advice you give for, you know, not calling you old. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, what you talk about your time as an 18, 19 year old in the Aussie team. Like, if if you had had someone back in the day say, "Hey, Mitch, this is what," what's the advice? Um, yeah, I'd probably speak to myself if I could speak to anyone back then. Yeah. Um, I think I, as a young kid. 
you just want to every single game you want to do well. Um, and I never really had the right outlook, um, or just I had a lot of growing up to do whilst trying to play cricket for Australia. So I always try to explain it to um, people that when I was younger, like if my cricket was going really well, and I feel like a lot of young athletes could probably relate to this, is when my cricket was going really well, I was flying. Like I was on fire as a person, as a human being. I was like, yeah, this is elite. If cricket wasn't going well, I was like down in the dumps. I didn't want to socialise. And that sort of roller coaster um, emotionally, it's really hard to be consistent in anything you're doing. So um, I always thought that's probably why my, my performances weren't as consistent as they could possibly be. Um, and it wasn't really until I started to get a bit older probably gain a bit more perspective on life and realise that whilst cricket's my job and it's my passion um, and I absolutely love it, it's not the be-all and end-all in my life. And, um, yeah, been on a bit of a journey to sort of um, find out, I guess, what makes me tick as a person um, and what makes me happy. And cricket obviously makes me happy, but there's so much to life that makes me happy. And when all that's what going really well, my cricket seems to be... be Ticking boxes. So, do you think that's a difficult lesson to be told and one you have to learn? Like, if someone's sitting you down and telling you that is all good, but yeah. to go through ups and downs like you've gone through, or anyone else in any other field, yep. is it something you, you kind of have to go through to kind of get? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think others probably deal with that um, and deal with failure differently, and we're all we all do that differently. But I think what cricket's taught me is to learn to deal with failure and in, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a businessman, um, you're at school, the more you learn to deal with failure as a, as a person, um, it'll hold you in good stead for life and that's sort of been my biggest lesson. As a, as a cricketer, as a batsman, you fail one in – or you actually only perform – really the best players perform one in three games. The best player, like Steve Smith, one in three games apart from his last five big bash games. <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> he's a freak yes. uh, and he's a bad example. But yes. on average as a, as a batsman, it's one in four. So you're, you're failing 75% of the time. And mm. if, you, if you can't deal with that failure um, and learn from it, then shit gets real hard. So, um, yeah, that's sort of all the learnings I've, I've gathered from cricket and hopefully they'll all hold me in good stead for, for life after cricket. What, what's considered a failure – in batting then, are you, is there a certain benchmark of runs? I mean, I guess it depends on each game, but is there a number for you where you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough, I just scraped by with at least a, an average performance? Yeah, well, my test average I think is 22, um, right. which could be mistaken for a bowler's average. So <laughs> um, I think getting to 22 for me in test cricket, um, I'll probably be raising the bat at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to no, think <laughs> what is it. I'm trying to think what it is in footy. Yeah, I, I think um, – a start in cricket is basically like 30, 40, uh, probably even 50 for the best players, but 30 or 40 you sort of get through that hard period of your first 20 balls, which is always the hardest. Yeah. Once you get through that um, and you get a bit of a rhythm going, they say that getting to 30 or 40 is a start. But really, yeah, if you're the, good, the best batsman average 50, so 100 runs a game is probably where you want to be sort of sitting to keep your spot. When when you're um when you're approaching those sort of numbers like fifty and a hundred, um, I mean, you've you've made um, ODI hundred hundreds and, and test hundreds. What's what's the f- the mental sort of strain with that knowing because like the hundred hundred's just a number. It doesn't ninety nine is no different to a hundred. Really, it's one run difference. But it's, there's such a uh, an emphasis put on centuries. 
Yeah, there is. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because really, um, it's a personal milestone. You get ninety nine or a hundred, the team's still going to be in a good position. So I've always found that weird with cricket. Like, what like we celebrate hundreds, but when you get one, it's pretty pretty fun. <laughs> um, yeah, you get nervous. Fifties, um, not so much. But hundreds, you get you sort of get to the nineties and you start thinking about it. it's it's a personal milestone, I guess. Yeah. You get, um, there's a lot of things that come with it. You get your name on a board and all that sort of rubbish that comes with it. So your maiden test century was at the Wacker 2017, talking about that. Like were you on 97 or 98 or 99? Like we, can you remember being close to your first 100 for Australia and what we, what were you thinking? Yeah, I was um, very, very nervous. Um, Stuart, Stuart Broad was bowling. Yeah, I think I was on 96 um, and – yeah, I, I came into that team. It was a third test match of the Ashes series, so I came in. Um, we'd already won the first two, um, but I, I was in really good form, so I actually felt really calm and comfortable that week. Um, and, yeah, came in, had an unbelievable partnership with Smithy. I had – Did he score like 200 in that? He scored 200, yeah, yeah. 230, yeah. Um, it's not just, about Smithy. He scores enough. Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, and, yeah, I just – I had so many family and friends there. I was at the Wacker, a really special place for any West Australian. Um, and, yeah, I was very nervous in the 90s. Just I'd got close um, a couple of times and um, my first game back, so I just really wanted to – I just wanted to be a part of it. And, um, yeah, hit Stuart Broad um, through sort of cover point and um, took the helmet off and celebrated. It was one of the great feelings I've ever had. You got up and about. I was watching the video before. You were pretty pumped. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of emotion in that in what, that celebration. What were the emotions? Um, <clears throat> happiness, mm. um, joy. Uh, there was a lot of sort of conjecture about me coming back into the team. There always has been with me in <laughs> Test cricket, um, but um, yeah, I was just pumped. And I don't say there was anger in the celebration, but it was just like. Is it relief? Just relief, mate, yeah. Just absolute relief that you sort of got these this belief that you can do it and you fail and you fail and you fail and you get to a point where you're sort of in the moment. And I also wanted to take it all in, um, being at the Wacker and the crowd was going nuts and um, it was an, an awesome afternoon. And then after that we got three hours of just smacking them. It was great. <laughs> I was there. I was there actually, Dad. Oh, yeah. Don't go to a lot of cricket. I was there. The v- big VIP sponsors oh, 10 out, out, the, out in the wing. The big Back big in the heyday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long time ago now. I reckon <laughs> Shep might have been up there as well. I, yeah, I'm always sure I was with Shep and it was bloody, it was bloody good to see. Special. Is there, um, is there a sort of a, is there anyone that's known to sort of carry on a bit too long after the 100? Because there's some that, you know, keep it pretty chill, but is there like a time limit where it's like, all right, mate, You've had your you've had your glory. <laughs> um, yeah, I think David Warner. He's got the he goes on, he's got the Toyota jump. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. And his two hundred at the MCG at Boxing Day when he was cramping right, this year, and he couldn't fun. do it. He just he did it, and then just like he snapped his yeah. leg. Um, I was crying with laughter. Yeah, that was, that was funny. That was actually the boys funny. would have given it to him. Yeah, they would have. <laughs> he got did he get carried? He got, he got carried off. They the tried to carry him, and then he was, yeah. was hobbling because he would have been thinking, if I get carried off here after making two hundred, <laughs> yeah. I can't walk back into that change room. No way. He wouldn't have been able to. No, Davey actually, Davey would have been like, yeah, carry me off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, funnily enough, Shep got carried off one day and then played the next week, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and it was exactly the same. He was like, no, you've got the stretcher out here. Get me on. <laughs> Take me off. What else is it for? <laughs> well, so talking about the team and specifically the Australian test team, like take you know people who are listening don't don't get to sit in the change room or the locker room and like what what goes what goes on as a batter when you when you're not batting like what what are you guys doing what are you doing in the change rooms talking absolute rubbish um, <laughs> is that why cricketers are such good shit talkers of shit <laughs> yeah pretty much we do a lot of it yes. um, yeah look I think the the one good thing about the Australian team especially now is I feel like there's just a lot of normal Australian blokes. And we just talk the same shit that a third grade team would talk on a Saturday afternoon. You know, we're all we're all for that. Um, a lot of the guys in the test team now are proper cricket nuffies, so um, there's a lot of cricket chat. So um, it's probably why I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a cricket nuffie? Uh, I would say that I'm a I am a cricket nuffie, but in terms of like stats and yes. um, talking batting all day every day, it's probably not for me. But I obviously love the game and it's been a passion of mine. Um, but there is a lot of shit spoken, a lot of toasties eaten, um, <laughs> any food really. But. So, so in footy, right, there's a saying that goes forward, sell memberships, mid-sign sponsorships. Backs win premierships. Oh, man. Mm. My absolute man. <laughs> so cricket context, who are the backmen of the team? Because you submitted – look, I would, I would have thought that you're actually you – know, you come across as a bit of a backman. But you've said you're a full forward going up. So who who are the backmen? Is it the it's not the is it the bowlers? Um, can I just backers? say that I I did used to get swung back in defence um, when <laughs> yeah, required. The, the Adam when, when the swing game man. when the game was on the line um, and it was getting <laughs> a bit close, dog. I was sent back. They yeah. put you back. Send there the bison you back the there. Yeah. You were the biggest yeah. bloke. That's yeah. the other reason. <laughs> put him in the hole. Um, I think the that the the bowlers are definitely the backs. Right. Um, to win a test match, you have to take 20 wickets. doesn't matter how many runs you score. Mm. Um, uh, well, really, if you if you bat first, then you have to take 20 wickets to um, yes. to win a game. So mm. Team within a team as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. big time, yeah. They've what? got proper bromance, yeah. They call, <laughs> it, they call themselves the big four. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> I, saw, I saw a video, um, this was like a few years back, of um, – of them, like they were talking about you. Some of the fastballers talking about you because you were sort of trying to leave to leaving the full time um, fastballers team or something like that. There was a bit of conjecture or sort of controversy around. Was it because you were moving to more all rounding, all round play and test? No, yeah, the fastballers cartel. Um, they like to think that it's um, a sought after place to be in, right. um, but really, you can either bowl 140 k's an hour or you can't, and I don't, <laughs> but I think I offered just a bit more than bowling fast to the group, um, social captain, all that sort of stuff. But I basically became this big thing that um, you had to you had to bowl a ball over 140 k's in a game, like every game, to remain in the fast bowlers cartel. Right. Really? So, and it became an actual thing. I would be in the middle of a test match, <laughs> like games on the line. Ball in my hand, and all I cared about was bowling 140 k's. <laughs> so I'm there bowling to Virat Cole or someone, and he's smacking me before. And before it gets to the boundary, I'm looking at the big screen going 134. <laughs> <laughs> like, no care for the game. But, um, that's the fun that we have, you know. <laughs> and you got so you got removed. You, you couldn't. 
You can yeah, standards. I think in the end I probably just um, gave up and retired from the fast bowling cartel. What, um, what's the difference between 135 and 140? Like how much extra five, are you having to put into it? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Even I could have told you that. <laughs> um, like are you trying to bowl the fastest you can possibly bowl to get it to 140 or is it like – yeah, well, how do you how do you get it to go that? Yeah, a lot of the time with, with bowling, it's actually just rhythm. So, at times the hardest, the the faster you try and bowl, the slower you bowl for some reason. I I, I guess it's like kicking a footy. You try and kick it seventy meters, mm. you, you normally shank it or whatever. Um, so a lot of those guys will naturally just run in and bowl one hundred and forty k's an hour. Other guys have to really try and bustle in. And mm. um, so for me to go from one thirty five to one forty is to be brutally honest, probably just a bit of potluck with my timing and <laughs> <laughs> landing right and everything come together for one ball. Oh, that's bloody good. I just I just want to get some vision of Marshy just getting hit for six and looking back at the scoreboard, <laughs> looking for the speed. Yeah. You mentioned, or just you didn't give it a lot of uh, attention, but social captain, what does mm. that mean? I've never heard that before. Yeah, look, um, I like to also can. refer to myself as the uh, general manager of food and beverage on tour. Oh, the people's champ, I assume. Just, uh, <laughs> no, no, that's, All Usman, that's, that's Usman's self-proclaimed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but people's champ. <laughs> I'm certainly not that. Food and um, beverage manager. Okay. No, I'm just making sure that uh, on tour we've got places to go and uh, restaurants to, right. to eat at. And, um, that's important. Yeah. It's important, yeah. Because right. everyone's always sitting around going, where are we going to go today, boys? Well, yep. And then – Google comes out, someone gets TripAdvisor out, 80-year-old <laughs> reviews spoon. on that. Yeah, like we need a Mitch Mark. So that's what the social manager does. Uh, yeah, I was self-proclaimed, so basically it was McQuarja. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, just making sure that we're always having fun on tour and at the end of the game we've always got somewhere to go for a, a quiet ale and uh, I mean I love that. That's, that's So do I. International cricket, we travel the world, we're playing a game we love. But it's also really important to switch off and um, enjoy what the uh, the world has to offer. You, you, do you have fines, a fines master? Uh, yeah, so that's where uh, fines in the Australian team is um, it's not somewhere where you want to be. Um, you can walk out of there a couple of grand. Um, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever experienced, like I'm, getting I'm, fined 700 bucks for the wrong shoes. It's like, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> who's, who's, in, who's um, sort of? Putting that in place. I would, have, I would have a field day with you, bloke. I was fine as Marshall at West Coast. I would have a field day with you, bloke. I would have a field day. All right, hands up. Who's got an IPL contract? Yeah, All right. exactly. Here we go. Yep. Yeah, We're going to take right. 1% off each of yeah. Thank you very much. Put it in the kitty. Yeah, you get the um, – we don't do fines anymore. It's just right. got out of hand. But um, <laughs> Who was the fines master when it was getting out of hand? You don't have to give me any fines. Um, it might have even been Bull, David Warner. Uh, that's a good name. Yeah, the bull, the cannon. You see, you see pictures of you know the old boys, right? Booney and David Boonson, where you are now. We spoke to him a bit about it, and Warney, and all, all the guys. Those pictures of in the change rooms having beers after winning the Ashes. What's that like? Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it's a, it's a, all the, all my best memories. Um, been lucky enough, won a World Cup, uh, won an Ashes series. Um, one big bashes, all this sort of stuff. But all my best memories are in the chain rooms. Mm. And I think that's hopefully what a lot of people can relate to in terms of, like I said before, it doesn't matter if you're playing for Australia or you're playing for your club team on a Sunday afternoon. 
you play to enjoy winning with your mates and that's exactly what we do. So um, some of the celebrations over the journey have been uh, fantastic. Have you had lock-ins before? You just you stay in the rooms? Well, yeah, COVID, COVID sort of uh, forced us into lock-ins. So um, we've had a few uh, awesome sessions in team rooms and <laughs> – um, was it wasn't there footage coming? I mean, you probably get in trouble for this. I don't know, but you, you just say you just say I have no idea what you're talking about. Wasn't there footage after the World Cup? Australia won the. I'm just talking to Dan, by the way. Anyone who's not yeah, watching, yeah, yeah. wasn't there footage <laughs> after the World Cup of the boys? We used to have a couple of sherbets, maybe it's seven or eight a.m. in the morning out in the pool deck. I feel like oh, Gary Lyon was this. out there. Nathan, is this right? Is this after after the Ashes, was it the Ashes yeah, or was yeah, it yeah. the World Cup? It would have been the Ashes. Ashes no, some yeah. morning beers. Yeah, a couple of breakfast beers for the boys. Um, Nathan Lyon's one of the great celebrators, so good. Um, there's no doubt that would have been him. What's <laughs> the What's the memory like of of uh, both making a century, you and Sean, out in the middle, making a century with your brother? Like that that is legitimately dreams made of backyard cricket type stuff. Yeah, we people always talk about oh, it's a dream come true, dream come true. That was. Um, in the, in the moment, you're not actually think. I wasn't really thinking about it until I started getting close to 100. I was like, oh, we've got a chance to do something real special here. Just yeah. don't stuff it up. Um, but the, to have that partnership with Sean, I remember the night before he was on 98 or 96 or something and there was right. two overs to go and I was on strike and I couldn't. I just couldn't get off strike. Um, so every ball crowd was booing me. Sean, I could see him just tensing up like, <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> is there like any element of getting going cold? Like, if you're not on strike, like you want to keep keep on strike when you close? Yeah, in test matches, probably not so much. Um, but with two overs to go in the game, and you're in 98, that's yeah, yeah. that is wrap it up, mate. Yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I left him stranded on 98 overnight. Did you? Yeah, yeah, or 90, like 96 or 97 <laughs> or something. Did you speak about it that night? Uh, not really. He was like any <laughs> danger. Yeah, fuming. <laughs> Um, so he came out and I think it was the first over the, the next day, um, got his got his 100 and that was awesome. And then it was obviously over to me. So, um, yeah, I remember vividly hit, I hit Tom Curran out three point. I was a 98, so ran back on 99. Ran back for two and halfway down the wicket, Sean's just like ran at me for a hug. And so we've just sort of completely lost all track of what's Ball's actually still going. Alive. Ball Ball was live. <laughs> So there's awesome footage of Steve Smith like yelling at us to get back. We hugged, embraced, realised we were halfway down the wicket and then like just bolted for the – I almost got run out. So it was just – it was um, it was very much us. Um, but to have that moment with him in the middle of the SCG, that's just – that's as good as it gets. That is gold. Yeah. So what, who thought the ball went – so someone thought it went for a four. No, we both knew that it wasn't – like we were, I was coming back for the second run. So what are you Muppets doing <laughs> in the middle of – Well, emotion gets the better of people at times and this was happy emotion and he just came in for a hug. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Would have been the most brutal run out of all time, I reckon. Yeah. That would have, that, that would have not, lost your heart. Wow. I'm not sure I would have come back. No. <laughs> Ever. To yeah. the game. Nah. I saw, I heard a story uh, on the Howie Games. Uh, very big fan of his work over there, Howie. When you made, I think it was your debut century, Bull Flamen was the coach. And he, 
I'm assuming like your first goal in AFL, the boys get around you. Like your fullback's coming down and he's giving you a hug, he's giving you a ass, a bit of a pat, a few other things in the group. I'm assuming cricket-wise, if you make your 100, you're coming back to the change rooms and the boys are getting around you. Didn't – wasn't there a bit of a stitch-up yeah, involved? big stitch-up. Yeah, what so um, walking off the ground at the end of the day, 180-not-out, uh, feeling pretty good about myself. Yes. Um, the whole of the whacker basically stayed until the end and clapped me off and raised my bat, walking around. Bit of carry-on. Bit of carry-on. <laughs> um, mild carry-on. Um, and – Anyway, I walk into the change rooms and whenever you do well as a batsman, um, certainly in the West Australian change rooms but also the Australian change rooms is you know that the boys are going to get around you. Like they really mm. – a few helmet taps and they just get around you hard. So I've walked in the change rooms, walked through the door and everyone's sort of like looking down at the ground, dead silence. And I was like <laughs> – basically like ready to raise my bat again. <laughs> And then they all just like start pissing themselves laughing and coming for a hug. And so they probably stitched me up with uh, walking to the change. But that was very much Boof. He was – he just – he got it and he was he was amazing. Right. That's unreal. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I mean a lot, lot of success there. That's sort of, you know, through, through your test and up and downs. 2019 Ashes, you're in the Ashes squad. You don't play in the first four games. You play in the last game. You take Pfeiffer. I that's – I think that's a good thing. Yeah, that's Fife, pretty good. Pfeiffer. <laughs> Get the ball, don't you? Keep the ball with Pfeiffer. Uh, yep, still got the did ball. You raise, you raise the ball with five? Raise the ball with five, yep. Just a little it's bit a of bit, a... Yeah. I did a lap, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but after that um, test, you, you know, it's, it's infamous and it's been everywhere now, but now that I'm here face-to-face, I want to hear what you, know, you think of it. You know, most of Australia hate me was the quote that was out of... I think that's the direct quote. Yep. Is that... Do you, do you sit here now and think that... I know a few things have happened that maybe I don't know, but what do you reflect on that coming out of your mouth? And I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a. Um, it was an interesting time. I I sort of said that um, th- that question had been asked to me for ages. Just why do you think Australia or the, the fans don't necessarily like you? And there's many reasons for that. They didn't actually dislike me as a person. They probably disliked the fact that I got a lot of opportunities without um, having a lot of good statistics behind me. Um, you had a lot of fans too. Yeah, I did. And to be fair. I, I sort of said that quote, it was tongue-in-cheek um, uh, and I said it with a bit of a laugh, not realising that it would gain some of your legs and it was probably just the perfect quote for the day and the, the mm. story behind me coming into that game and – um, I didn't necessarily um, ever feel that, but I certainly felt throughout uh, my career, my test career, a lot of sort of perceived pressure from whether it's um, media, fans, and um, there was a lot of things that um, were really tough for me to handle in the spotlight whilst I was trying to just try my best. And, um, you know, had this thing called test cricket that I was just striving for and putting all of my time and effort in, and I just couldn't nail it. So, to have all this outside pressure um, sort of flowing in and and my personality letting it in, which is the biggest lesson of it all, mm. um, that was really tough to take. So um, yeah, it was a it was a tongue in cheek comment that um, grew a lot of legs, but um, I guess it was a good story in the end. I think like it's also yeah. a bit of a <clears throat> like Australian sort of sarcasm as well, which like in an international on an international stage like England, maybe maybe not so much England because they sort of get it as well, but they would be. 
because it was, yeah, like I said, international, they would be thinking, well, he really thinks that Australia hates him. Whereas yeah. you, it, it's like a bit of a, you know, bit of a drive-by. Yeah. There was probably, there was a part of me that did think that, <laughs> the Australian cricket fans, but um, I certainly don't feel that now. And it was, um, yeah, all a bit of fun. What yeah. about off the back of that then? Again, I mean, you've been a player that has had ups and downs, not you know, not just selection, but you've you've had a lot of the injuries through your career. Yep. I, was, I was walking down here this morning actually and my wife Alex, who you know very well, yes. uh, the, the Lay family, she said, ask Mitch about breaking his back when he was young. She was like, I'm pretty sure he broke his back when he was a <laughs> youngster. Did you? I had stress fractures in my back yeah. uh, from bowling, so um, – most fast bowlers. Yeah. And I say fast because I was fast. Yes. Uh, I fast still am. Cartel. I still am fast. 140 or? Yeah, 145. <laughs> um, I had stress fractures. Most bowlers would go through that in their career, um, but it's a, a long term injury. It's sort of six to nine months that it keeps you out of. And I had reasonably bad ones. So I was in a back brace for a few months and um, just all part and parcel of bowling fast, I guess. You wouldn't understand. No, I wouldn't. I'm a full back, so it doesn't matter. Maybe just get the job done. Um, you play with broken backs. Yeah, correct. So, um, you know, injuries, selection, ups and downs of cricket publicly, whatever it is, um, not that it leads to a crescendo, but it is a little bit what happens in the 2021 uh, T20 World Cup, right? And so we fast forward to that. Um, Justin Langer is the coach of the team there. And I might add the last cricketer we had on this podcast was Justin Langer. Yep. Got a little bit of attention. Um, a few which, headlines. I, like we've spoken about a bit on, on our other side of the pod, but like it's not really what we exist to do, like the, especially the controversial nature. Like we love we love telling stories and having laughs. Mm. and But um, I don't really have much interest in turning Mitch Marsh into the back page. So <laughs> I mean, unless you'd like to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's what you're after. <laughs> JL is your coach, right? And he's your World Cup winning coach, yep. right? So I'm, I'm assuming you've got fond memories of, of JL. Like, yeah, certainly. Um, speaking on like all of the young Western Australians that are now in the Australian team and mm. um, a lot of the young West Australians, well, young-ish Western Australians that are now creating something really special um, with West Australian cricket. JL started that for us. He's been our, He was our coach for basically 10 years through it all. So he's watched a lot of us grow up, um, helped us a lot throughout our careers and um, we've all got him to thank for being a big part of our career. So... Um, that's pretty much all I'll say because as a headline, I <laughs> correct. I can't. There's no headline there, so that's, they can't that's write. They can't what Will Schofield has to say about. Um, <laughs> so having said all those great things about JL, um, the, the T20 World Cup, um, the leading into it, you're on fire. You're killing it. Have I? Is that just the? You got me. Leading up into the World Cup, um, you're, you're killing it. You, you, you put up the order a bit, making a lot of runs. Coming into the World Cup, did you get dropped? After two games, three games? Yeah, two. I did actually. Um, Shout out JL. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, but you, but you, got, you got dropped, right? So you're in the World Cup that we know how it ends and if you don't know how it ends, it ends yeah. well for Mitch Marsh. But I'll, I'll get there, guys, don't worry. Correct. It's <laughs> like getting dropped, I'll tell a similar story about 2018 for me, 2018 career moment for me. I'll get dropped three weeks before the grand final um, and then come in for your cousin. But – What's that like as you look back on it with the success finish? But I'm assuming that would have been a low point. It would have rocked you a bit. Or um, yeah, it was probably the first time. I, I think as a um, certainly as a cricketer, but most other sports as well, you kind of know when you're going to get dropped. You know if you're not performing, or you know if someone's performing better than you in another role, that they're going to come in. So 
that was probably the first time in my career where I was actually shattered because I just did not see it coming. Um, I certainly understood the reasons. They brought Ashton Agar in um, as a match-up to have two spinners against England um, and also Ash bats as well. So it allowed him, him to bat at seven and mm. um, strengthen the bowling a bit because their batting's phenomenal. So I understood the reasons. I just was obviously shattered and it was a World Cup and the World Cup, the way it's run, it's really quick. So you get dropped one game, it's like, oof, mm. how am I getting back in here? So, But to be brutally honest with you, I actually was okay. Um, I was upset that I wasn't playing, but I kind of think that the everything that's happened throughout my career and my life it was, and all the lessons that I've learned, I just accepted it. And I knew that if I got down in the dumps, then I wouldn't enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Um, I wanted to be a good 12th man. Um, which I've become bloody good at over the journey. Um, <laughs> and I was fine. I went to training the next day and got what I needed to do and I kind of felt that I would come back in so I didn't want to drop the ball completely. Yeah. Um, and it's totally fine to be angry and upset when you get dropped um, just as long as you don't carry on like a Muppet. So, um, yeah, I was fine really um, and ended up coming back in, which was bloody great. <laughs> Well, I think I was texting you around that time, and I was not. I'm not the world's biggest cricket fan, am I, Dan? I just no. I just <coughs> quite I the contrary. Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, anyway, there's a few things that irk me about the game. But <laughs> not going to get into it. But I was. Uh, I watched you for that for that last period of that that World Cup. I mean, you must look back on that because I feel proud about the way you played. But you must look back at it as a, as a, you know, having been through over a decade of in and out and injuries and ups and downs to do something on the biggest stage. You play in some great games coming into the final. You play in the World Cup final. Um, 77, I think. Yep. Oh, 50. Right? Yep. Man yeah. of the match, North Smith medal. I, I don't know if you can do much more than that. You must be proud of it. Yeah, it was uh, by far the best day of my career to date. Um, the build-up throughout that whole year um, stems back to uh, April in New Zealand where we played a T20 series and I – had a bit of a stinker. I was batting at number seven and number eight, even at times. They were sort of just experimenting with a few different lineups. And I had a mare and I had a really great conversation with our now coach, Andrew McDonald. Um, he was just really honest with me about um, – he basically wanted me to learn to just go from ball one. So six months out from the World Cup final, I had a conversation with him and I went away and worked on just literally going from ball one. Not slogging from ball one, but if a ball's in my area – Hitting, hitting it for six from ball one. And there's a lot that goes into that um, from a technical point of view and all that sort of stuff, but more so mentally. Yeah. Having the courage to walk out there and back my game to go, if that's there, I'm hitting it for six. So I worked on that for six months. West Indies tour, um, Bangladesh tour was horrific, the worst wickets I've ever played on. So it cost me a bit of my strike rate. Um, <laughs> and we get to the World Cup and it all sort of comes together in a World Cup final where um, – yeah, that first ball sort of went yeah. for six and um, the juices were flowing. Um, that I, I really – I still get a bit emotional about it because there's just been so much that had gone into a moment like that and it rarely happens where you get to – Do it. Sort of achieve something like that. And, um, yeah, it was just a, an incredible night, so incredible you, night. So you tell me six months prior to that, you literally spoke about the thing that you did, yep. which is hit the first six, hit the ball at first six, and then you hit the next two for four. So you're sizzling. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the juices were flowing. Uh, <laughs> there's some good footage. Uh, I'm not sure it really does it justice, but 
I was obviously batting with Davey Warner and I'm walking down the wicket and I'm literally like punching his hand like, come on, let's go. <laughs> He's like, whoa, settle down, big boy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I actually had to calm myself down a little bit because you, you can really, if the juices start flowing, that's, you, know, you try and hit every ball for six and more often than not you get out. So I had to sort of focus on my breathing a bit and make sure I was nice and calm and then, yeah, the partnership with Davey really sort of sealed the game. Not many people would know that that chat that you have with Andrew McDonald. What's the conversation like after the game? Because it, I'm just thinking about it now. Like he must be, he must have been like, like did it? Did it? Yeah, it was. Uh, he's certainly not the sort of guy that would take any credit for that. Um, he just really got a really smart cricket brain. So he he had always pushed for me to bat higher up the order. Um, don't really know why, but. Um, he was really big on that, so I've got a lot to thank him for for just giving me the opportunity, um, but also him just making me feel like the team needed me. And at times in the Australian team, when you've got so many good players around you, um, someone else would get the job done or whatever. You know, his all his language was that the team needed me to perform, and he's really just found the way to to get the best out and the most consistent me um, <laughs> over the last few years. So. Um, Got a lot to, to thank him for. I think that's uh, a that's good, good way to finish mm. things off on our main chat, mate. So, uh, yeah, I yeah I got little goosebumps there. That mm, was that's good. good. The only Very thing good. I will yeah. say is, yes. and if the ICC are listening, I didn't get a man of the match medal. I got a little tiny trophy. Is that right. correct? So, should have you got a? You medal? guys got? Which, I'm just thinking. Yeah, you guys last got time shirt. we chased something down. Right. I want a World Cup. Norm Smith do, medal. Do they do they fashion the medal? I mean, yeah, we can't. They, we can't. They, they do make all Australian jackets. Chip just hadn't been given his. Like, we <laughs> yeah. can't go to the ICC and say, "Oh, I'm challenging." So you want okay? You want one forged? You yep. would like a medal forged? Has there ever been one given before? I don't think so. Can we do this, Dan? <laughs> sure. Yep. We need to see us that sort of stuff. I mean, we'll, I will say we'll try if we go and do this. I very much have the attitude with a lot of things. As my mum. Favorite saying growing up, where there's a will, there's a way, right? And I don't look at too many things and think I can't do it. So if you're serious about this <laughs> and I get you a fucking Norm Smith yep. medal, what are you going to get in return? Because I feel like that's a big deal. What would you like? Um, just think. Dan wants oh, you. You'd want to like. You'd want to. You'd want something to do with the Aussie cricket. You're a big cricket fan. Oh, no, free T-shirt I'd be happy with. (laughs) (laughs) Can you sort a free T-shirt for Dan? Yes, I can. Oh, baggy green. Yeah, we want baggy greens. You want a baggy green? Yeah. You want a my baggy green or? No, just like go to the- You want a Dan Conn's baggy green. They don't give them away, mate. No, there'll be a factory where they make them. You get some generic ones. We would like, we would like as a a podcast, we would like a baggy green. It doesn't have to be, um, we would love a baggy green to put on our on our shelves. Uh, you can take, you can do whatever you like with that. Yep. Still your dad's. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what which baggy green, but we would love to have a baggy green in here yeah. if I get you a medal. All right, yep. deal. Deal. That's Done. a good. That's actually a good deal. Done. Mate, I, I've got to get a fucking international organisation to forge a medal for something that's never <laughs> happened before. <laughs> he's just going to go and grab his fucking baggy green out of his top drawer of his fucking bedroom. <laughs> um, now we do finish on social media. Now again, I know you're a big bat chat fan. This is why you're here. Not social media. You didn't miss yes. any social media, where <laughs> the people ask you the questions. They've heard enough from Dan and I. Um, we like to hand it over to the people. Bit of mm-hmm. a Q&A session. Put the mic into the crowd. We just let them go. All right. All right. Let's do it. T-Money. 
Uh, I saw Mitch Marsh in Video Easy a few years ago. I was going to the new release section and watched him grab the last copy of Die Hard 4 that I wanted to watch. He had nine other copies tucked under his arm. I asked if I could please have one, but he laughed in my face and said, it was better after multiple viewings. Anyway, um, which is your favourite of the Die Hard series? <laughs> is that true? Pretty, pretty is that mean. true story? What's going on there? <laughs> it might have been Sean. I think he's mistaken me for Sean. Or Brad. <laughs> yeah. uh, favourite um, Die Hard series? Uh, uh, Die Hard Man? We'll go with four. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, always loves it. <laughs> Oh, that's very good. Uh, Steve Govacoro. Uh, Bison, in the test docker, you're proclaimed to be the, the best COD player in the Australian team setup. Who's the cricketer, local or otherwise, closest to taking your crown? Um, also, what's your game attack? Cheers. <laughs> A couple of great questions. Um, yeah, so uh, that that is definitely self-proclaimed. I'm by far not the best. Uh, I'd say probably Starkey's the best. Really? Yeah. Mm. Um, Big COD player. Especially bubble bubble cod player. I was I was stre- right. I was streaming modern warfare um, warzone like yeah really. We should have actually known this and been planning against each other. We could do that. Okay, we can organize you still that. play. I've um I've had my wife hide my PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I addicted, um, a little bit addicted to it. Yeah, I um I don't play at home. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but I play a lot on <laughs> work. Tour. Work long yeah. hours at, yeah. at work. Sorry, uh, sorry, love the training. Yeah. Yeah. They want us back at training he's for got, a couple extra hours. I don't know why. He's got half days. <laughs> Finishes at 12, gets home at 6 p.m. Um, so Mitch Stark. Yeah, he's gun. Is um, he? Yeah, it puts a lot of hours in. We play COVID really, we had like we couldn't leave the hotel. You're better, um, you're better, times cod, play, better cod players than you were cricket players. Yeah. Probably. I put in <laughs> a lot of hours to cod. Like, I'm talking. Sorry. At times it was like 50 hours a week. We, we, mate, that, uh, that would be unders for us. We had a group of us at West Coast. We went um, – we were allowed to leave um, if we had masks on and uh, we had like the, all these protocols, whatever, yeah. whatever was going on. It was a shit show. We weren't away as long as you but it was like 12 weeks or something. Yeah. And we went to a, like a JB Hi-Fi. We did click and collect so we didn't have to go into the store and we all bought like high-speed portable modems. Yep. And like I'm talking – no lag, nothing, lock in. We would we would play during the day on a day off or any spare time whatsoever, run down to dinner, barely space, shovel food in, <laughs> straight back up. And I know that's oh, what yeah. you would have been doing the same. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> Room service for me. Wow, very good. Um, I like that a lot. The Mad Hueys. Uh, game of Ricky Ponting 2005 on the PS2 between you and Sean. Who wins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean can't bowl, so I smack him. Great. <laughs> Hayden W underscore 54. Um, so there's one over to go in the decider of the ashes and you require one wicket to win. Who do you throw the ball to? Uh, myself. <laughs> yeah. Good. I'm taking all glory. Oh, what happens <laughs> when you don't get the wicket, mate? <laughs> no, nah, probably Paddy Cummins. Um, Paddy Cummins, I reckon. Paddy Cummins. Paddy Cummins just, sure. Would he just be sizzling? York, what would he be bowling? What's the instructions in the last over when a wicket must be taken? Like it's a little bit like two minutes to go in the grand final. You got to kick your goal straight down the guts. What's the have to be a wicket ball? Is it just line length? Surely not. It's a bit boring. It's you just want them to have to hit the ball. Like mm. you want the batsman to have to make a decision. So probably sneak, sneak one bouncer in there, full straight at the stumps. What's the bouncer yeah. for? Just like to get him a little just bit. Get, a little yeah, bit. Just, uh, get him guessing. Get him guessing. You know, get their yep. feet. 
mixed up. Can you still bowl bounces? And, you yeah, know, I can. Drop, yeah. drop, drop, one four. Can you still bowl bounces? Kerzy, four, nine, four. Who's the best off spinner you've played with and why is it Adam Voges? Um, what's the, oh, that's another, yeah, that's that's another question. question. Yep. Oh, so, yep. So that's, and they've answered it, it for who's you. Who's the yes, best off spinner okay. you've played with and why is it Adam Voges? <laughs> um, well, he threw it. For his whole career, <laughs> so that's probably why he was quite an accurate bowler. Shout out, Adam! Um, yeah, Shaka. so I, and I often pulled him up. Uh, he always used to bowl with long sleeve shirts. So, uh, anyone, so you can't see the bend in the elbow. Anyone who's bowling long sleeve shirts, skeptical. Ashton, right? Be wearing long sleeves. That's I just flashed nah, in my mind. His is just fashion sense. Perfect. Purely fashion sense. Right. <laughs> um, Mister underscore Bly the Bison. Like um, is it better to A, score a duck and the team wins or B, make 100, the team loses and you get to say, fuck, uh, fuck sakes, boys, I did my bit? Uh, 100% 100 every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're lying. Jai underscore Alice. Uh, true or false, you smash balls from the nets at Wesley into the swimming pool during your time there and I'm going to back it up with another one from Liam Briers. Is it true you hit the roof at Wesley College or bullshit? So swimming pool and roof. Yes. Uh, the story um, has grown a lot of legs over the years. Um, I did hit one up onto the roof at Rossiter Oval at my time at Wesley. Um, but since having done that, it's now I hit one over the roof and it landed in the pool, um, which I am more than happy to go with. Um, but I don't recall ever hitting one into the pool. Um, uh, very good. Now, Tyson Wright. How do you feel about the nickname Bison? And the story I cut you off from the very start. Yes. Yeah, you're like, interesting story. You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, I had to get the first question. Yeah. So let's revisit that. Yeah, so the Bison. Um, the My first Australia A tour was to Zimbabwe and Jason Gillespie was the coach. And for some reason growing up, um, people always used to think that I had a really big head. Uh, I probably still do, but I've <laughs> potentially grown into it a little bit more now. And um, so Dizzy just starts calling me Bison. And I hear Dizzy speak. He's like, hey, Bison. How are you, mate? Bison, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I was like 17 or 18 and I was like, don't call me Bison. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> and eventually just started catching on. And I was like, why, why have you started calling me Bison? And apparently, on average, a bison's head weighs 200 kilos. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's completely stuck and literally – The man. reason it stuck was because he didn't like it. Mm. Yes, exactly. Because that's because, how they stick. Not because I have a 200-kilo head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. Uh, 43 to go. Do you fish under, underscore two? Uh, does Brad Shepard still think he's good enough to pursue a career with the Scorchers? Uh, wasn't there a bet of a car on a previous different podcast that he would play when he finished up football? <laughs> Was there? Uh, potentially. He yeah. is an idiot. I think he the uh, he's an idiot. concussion oh. protocols uh, <laughs> yeah, sadly may, ruined his career. May, uh, <laughs> may have stopped him from playing any other sport. Um, oh, but, I, thought, uh, I thought you meant thinking, <laughs> being sensible. Uh, no, he was, he was fucked before he <laughs> got concussed. Um, <laughs> so that's just made matters worse. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, uh, his career, career is over and it's, um, it's actually good because I don't have to listen to it anymore. Good, good. Um, Jordan Flynn. What was your MySpace profile song? Um, I had many. Mm. Um, 
your changer. You had a bit of a rotation. Yeah, it was my song changed as to what girl I was trying to impress. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I had everything. Just. Do you remember yours? Yes. What was it? Bring Sally up. And then it got copyrighted or something, and I never put one back on. And I never started my song. Oh, shame. What you? Yeah. You uh, had something <coughs> fucked. No, no, it wasn't. It was a song called "Take Cover" by Acceptance. What, what, that's what I mean. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, it's just a song. Uh, See, I just sung mine. Uh, I didn't. I, I can't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Uh, last one. Short for Decker. Um, arm wrestles. Who wins between you and Sean the Sheep? Um, Sean the Sheep. It's a kid's Yes, I understand. Yeah. Um, and what is uh, life on a cricket tour actually like? All playing and training or a good mix of talking in the local area as well? Uh, taking in the local area as well. Yeah, what was the first question? Uh, yeah, who wins between you and Sean? Um, yeah, Sean's way stronger than me. Is he? Uh, yeah. Um, so Sean so wins, Sean. Um, life as a cricketer is has been a lot of fun. Um, we get to travel the world, see some amazing places, meet some amazing people, um, eat some amazing food. Um, all the countries we go to culturally are vastly different, so um, it's been a been a lot of fun over the journey. Cool, good mate, done and dusted. Um, a big thank you to our supporters, our sponsors, and a thanks to you, hmm. Marsh. Thanks, Bison. 200 nice. kilo head. <laughs> Bloody lot. Thanks for coming on, mate. Did you have fun? I had fun. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, Good. Um, yeah, absolute we'll, pleasure. We'll keep him on for a few minutes for Patreon we as will. well. You want to follow us on socials, backchat mm. double underscore, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Send us an email. Thanks to Whippersnapper, to Margaret River Roasting Co., Blue Bet Shelter, and, of course, our mates down at Leadable Cameras. VIP stuff for Patreon, which is where we're going right now. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.